0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuck publicans? The few of you out there, how's it going? What's happening? I'm Mark Maron. This is my podcast. What the fuckocrats? All right, just evening it up. I am back. I am back at the cat ranch, back in the hills of Highland Park, where I belong, in my slowly crumbling casa, casa la crumble. I don't know what that means. So today on the show, Phil Elverham and Mark Mulcahy, two different uh, musicians, songwriters. I didn't know much about either of them. This is the truth. This is how this worked. Phil sent me his record and, and a bunch of other ones. Now, I didn't know of him. I did not know of his former uh, manifestation, the microphones i didn't know about mount erie i didn't know i don't didn't know anything about him uh my uh my partner i guess that's the word i'm going to try out uh sarah had you know, knew of the microphones and i there was a period of music there that i just was not uh i i was too old or too something i, I just didn't somewhere between 2002 and 2012 i just missed a lot of stuff wasn't as engaged But she knew of the microphones, and there was a world of that type of lo-fi kind of experimental music around. But I didn't know of him. And I got this record with a nice personal note, and I listened to it, his new record, uh, which is called, it's released under the name Mount Erie. It's called A Crow Looked at Me. It's available now. And it was just one of those moments where right out of the gate, the tone and the sound and the words and his voice just kind of struck me. In a very real way, in a very deep place, and I listened to it, and it was a devastating record. And I, uh, you know, I invited him on the show to talk about this devastating record because the backstory around the record is is devastating. But but there was something you know beautiful and poetic, as as dark as it might have seemed, or might seem in subject matter. It was beautifully human, and uh, and I was interested in it, and that and that was just a record that was sent to me. Mark Mulcahy as well. Like I didn't know a lot about Miracle Legion. I wasn't a fan or had no real knowledge of him, but I was sent some of his uh, one of his solo records, and I played it, and I was like, "This is this is a real dude. This is a real guy. This is there's some depth to this. This guy's been around, and he's got and he's got some depth here." And I liked the music, and I became sort of a fan of his, you know, from his solo work. And that was a long time ago now, it was over a year. And finally, it sort of came around that uh, you know, Mark was around, and, and I, I got him in here to talk to these guys. These guys are, I would say, veterans to a certain degree. Certainly, Mulcahy, he's, Mulcahy's been around a while, and Phil is not that old, but he's certainly been around a while. But I didn't know anything about them. But uh, it was all new to me. These were two instances where the music came to me and uh, and moved me. Uh, a certain way and, and I'm I'm happy to be open to that and I, I talk about this a lot you know I'm at this juncture in my life this age where you know my life is what it is whether I I've done it intentionally or not you know I am 53 years old childless divorced I'm okay with money and uh and now I've got a little time and it's sort of like what uh, what moves me what brings me joy what you know what engages me what are my responsibilities to myself and others uh, at this point in my life? And how the fuck do I have a good time? And I'm realizing that expectations are sometimes a little, uh, you know, you got to be careful of them. Be careful of those expectations, the good ones and the bad ones. But there's always, You can always expect an end because <laughs> that's inevitable. But uh, I don't know. You got to temper that shit. So. So I do engage with music, and, and when it moves me, I'm happy about it. And I was glad I could talk to these guys. There's some heavy stuff in today's show. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, Phil Elverum is here. His most recent album, uh, released under the name Mount Erie, is called "The Crow Looked At Me. It's about some very uh, difficult and uh, heavy stuff. It's about grief. It is an active artistic expression of grief. It's available now wherever you get music. And this is me and Phil having a conversation. I, You know, you send me your records, the microphones record and the Mount Erie mm-hmm. records, and then the new
1: record, which is under Mount Erie. Or it is, but it kind of is you. its own thing. But yeah, it's Mount Erie.
0: Um, and I get a lot of stuff Yeah, that looks like stuff. And he wrote me this very nice letter, and you know, uh, you know, the subject matter of the record is obviously devastating, but I had no idea about the microphones, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about it. So I put the record on. I was very taken with the new record um, uh, immediately, and that doesn't always happen. And then I, I sort of, um, you know, asked around. Well, uh, my girlfriend in mm-hmm. particular who was a microphones fan and you know you were part of this world of music that i kind of missed somehow mm-hmm. that there was a period there in the 90s she was dating devendra oh, okay and there seemed to be this bay area kind of lo-fi poetic you know i don't know how you would classify
1: the music I avoid having to. But but it, you sort of fit into that spectrum a little bit, right? I suppose, yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years, so yeah. maybe I fit in at different spectrums, different spectrums, different points in different right. spectrums. Right, but oh. you,
0: there was a period yeah. there
1: where the microphones, which was primarily you? It's just me. Yeah, it's all just me. <laughs> it's Mount Erie, the microphones, it's all just me. Yeah. Occasionally I have collaborators, but I think of myself more as... Uh, a descendant of the pacific northwest stuff grunge whatever oh really which is i'm younger than that i'm younger right. than nirvana of no course. of course but maybe you grew up with it i grew up with it that was my portal into this stuff really oh for sure yeah where'd you live anacortes washington how far is that from seattle like two hours a little less than two hours northwest north it's anacortes is in the Sa- san juan islands uh-huh so yeah almost in canada very beautiful I love that. That's my favorite part of the country
0: is yeah. the Pacific Northwest. Me too. The weight of it. Yeah. Right? I mean to me it seems normal. To but me. but 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 like even your sound, you know, you can hear it mm-hmm. in the sound of people that come from there. Even Nirvana. Right, yeah. That like the for me, like the just the size of the trees, uh-huh. the gray of the sky, the the jagged kind of heaviness of the rock of the coast. Yeah, it, you know the feeling that you're closer to the top of the world than <laughs> other places. It, to me, it's like there's a, a poetry to it that's dark but
1: not sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. So you were a kid, seeing Nirvana. Yeah, you know, I was into MC Hammer and stuff, and then (laughs) Smells Like Teen Spirit came on the radio. How old are we talking? Let's see, that was 91, I was 13. Yeah. And I grew up outside of Anacortes, so Anacortes is a small town, but I grew up five miles out into the woods. In a barn? <laughs> Basically. And my parents were building our house when- Forever? I, I was growing up. Yeah, forever. It took many years. And my room was the first that got finished, so they moved me into it, and I was living in this construction site. One of my walls was this tarp flapping in the wind. Oh my and God, so it's that kind of off-the-grid yeah. rural living. Well- it, more Twin Peaks though cause, and also Twin Peaks was on TV at that time and so we I remember watching it was when it was on TV watching an episode being so spooked right. know, getting to stay up late to watch it and then goodnight everyone walking down the trail to my room in the construction site with the actual owls and you know it it was Twin Peaks well, who's everyone? oh my parents just yeah. the parents? No, I have a brother and
0: sister as well yeah? yeah and uh, so, what 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 was the incentive of your
1: uh, family to go to the woods? Well, let's see. My parents were born in 1955, uh-huh. which makes them a little too young to be uh, first wave hippies back to the Landers. So, they were sort of second wave, if okay. that exists. Right. So, it, no, it, it certainly does
0: exist. So, they weren't hippies, but they were like... Fuck this.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, not so radical, (laughs) more just like, hey, this seems nice to go uh, to a rural area. Well, what'd your dad do? Oh, he's a uh, stonemason. So he knows how to build things? Yeah, pretty much. Is the house stone? Yeah, it has this huge Russian stone fireplace in the core of it. You know, it's very beautiful. Still around? Oh, yeah, they're still there. Oh, my God. And that, uh, yeah. that's a, and, and what's your mom do? She's a massage therapist. Ah. So they're nice. very like bo- body and stone. Earth, body and earth. Earth people, yeah. Uh-huh. And they're good people. Yeah, I like them. So what, are they Swedish? <laughs> no. Uh, my last name's Norwegian. So yeah, my dad's side goes, goes back to Norway. Do you have Norwegian accented relatives? No, it, oh. it's m- like five generations or
0: something. Did you change your What is your last name? How do you pronounce it again? Just Elvrum. Elvrum.
1: Elvrum, yeah. Cuz I wrote it down wrong. Well, Elvrum. I did change it recently. It's E L V R U M. I was, you know, that's what my parents Right. Last name is, but I the traditional Norwegian spelling has an extra E in there. So yeah, ta- it's a town in Norway. So Elvurum, Elvrum, Elvrum. I mean, probably pra- probably in Norway they say it. Elvrum. Oh, so you put the e after the v. Elvrum. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's I started putting it in there when I was in Norway just so I didn't have to have the conversation over and over about, "Oh, sorry, my name, yeah, I know it looks misspelled."
2: Right.
0: But did
1: are, are any of your siblings music people? Not really. No. No, not really. My there's music like, you know, casual amateur music in my family all, all the time, but Yeah. not in the way that I am. Right. I'm music people. So when did you when did the guitar playing start? Uh well, yeah, so around when I heard Nirvana on the yeah. radio and realized, "Oh, regular people can make music too, not just um f- famous l- looking people." Yeah, famous em- I don't oh, know so if that, that was makes really sense. A, Yeah, no It sure really makes was sense. a breakthrough. Yeah, Kurt Cobain and those guys but, on the cover of Rolling Stone looked like guys regular people meet. yeah exactly so and then from there i discovered the local record store and they were have it had more obscure stuff that i followed the thread back to you know k records and more obscure pacific northwest stuff that i it like my world opened like up like who else beat happening was very big uh-huh. do you know about k records at all no oh well yeah that's definitely my portal into what's music. k records k Was that a label? Yeah, K is... I mean, they still exist, but it was uh, Calvin Johnson from the band Beat Happening. I know the name Beat Happening.
0: I've probably heard their songs, but I don't know... I don't have a record of theirs, and I have a lot of records.
1: It's difficult to summarize, but Uh Olympia. It was the Olympia thing. Is this the 90s Beat Happening? Early 80s. Okay, so they
0: were like the grandfathers of the label scene up there. Right, yeah, K,
1: and it was like a particular version of punk the definition of punk that was not it was not masculine it was more inclusive and there have been lots of different eras so i came along after they had been going for 15 years or something Uh showed up in olympia and was led into calvin had a great studio called dub Narcotic studio Uh He gave me a key too and that's how i ended up making all those microphones records so it's just you in the studio with your nylon string guitar with all kinds of stuff, yeah, huge amps and drums. Just it was a, an amazing kind of. I think Calvin was going for sort of a Andy Warhol factory vibe type yeah. dream. Uh-huh. Just this beautiful room of resources that's available for whoever. And and who were the other uh, artists around? When I was there, Mira was there. Modest Mouse had some records on K. Uh-huh. Built a spill. Built a spill. Halo Benders. Brett Netson. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's off the
1: grid. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he's up there uh, you know fertilizing his plants with poop Yeah, the last I talked to him that's yeah. been a few years well, I imagine he... that doesn't shift that only gets you go further down that rabbit hole <laughs> you
1: can't go back from
0: that he's a good player
1: <laughs> yeah there have been so many eras of that that version of the Pacific Northwest thing Sub Pop as well I'm sure you're came familiar. out of that no Sub Pop and K sort of came up concurrently at the same time. but right. sort of developed their own distinct you know one is a Seattle thing one's an Olympia thing Talking about regional differences here. Sure. And what yeah. what do you see? What do you hear sonically? The differences are tone wise. Uh, Seattle's darker, harder, <laughs> more, harder, darker, more gritty. Yeah, more masculine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Olympia was more geared towards feminism and well, the Riot Girl thing. That's, that's right. That's Olympia. all Olympia, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there for that. I was there just after. Riot girl stuff. I was there when it was sort of morphing into who knows what else. And I was just doing my own thing. I would record my songs at night, and it was very much a, like a solitary thing. I was just really into recording and being alone. And, did, and Right. And did you... But you're not a drug guy. <laughs> I'm not a drug guy, no. You're just sort of like a uh, you know, uh, very sensitive uh, way to the world guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, you really summed me up <laughs> that's, all, that's all this interview is over <laughs> is that true? no yeah that seems right I'm a sensitive weight of the world guy and, and well no I mean you hear it very immediately I
0: mean it resonates with me and I, I just didn't know the, the music and I listened to like a microphones record and I listened to the new record so you, you layer sounds you know but it is all you but you, I mean you don't you know, you know you don't just play straight in and then that's the end of it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a recording project. Or start. That was my way of getting into music. I wasn't into writing songs, but yeah. I, I was so excited about this multi-track record, four-track recording. Just this idea that you could combine sounds. So and you weren't into writing songs. No, I just wanted to record sounds. To get these. I was. I was like, well, wow, what if I had a really low, bassy, rumbly thing, and then a high pitch thing, and then. Uh,
0: it's sort of like Fred Frith or somebody, or just like uh, layers of, uh, like, it's uh, John Cagey.
1: Yeah, like using yeah. using the studio as the instrument, and I had to start writing songs just to have something to record. <laughs> and then since then... <laughs> but did I've, you show up there? Why'd they let you use the studio if you didn't even play things? I was making tapes in my hometown. What were they? Uh, these noise experiments, uh-huh. you know, with beats, too, as... I was just really obsessed with it. That's why it was called The Microphones. And all my songs used to be about like the preamp, compressor, (laughs) the the technology of it, really. I was into singing about gear. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Kind of using metaphors about it, but mostly just singing about here's how a preamp works. Uh Uh-huh. Careful about feedback. (laughs) So there's a humor to it. No, it wasn't funny. It was like an emotional <laughs> teenager. Ser- oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was about how like the microphone loves the the speaker, but it's this uh, star-crossed love and right. Were you sad? <laughs> yeah, uh, not truly sad. You know, in a teenager way. Yeah. How old are sad. you now? I'm thirty-eight now. Oh wow, you're a young guy. I'm thirty-eight. Seems old to me, but yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank you. So when you're were there other the other musicians around i know you work with some people
1: yeah when i moved to olympia from anakortes yeah it was like moving into a a world of amazing people doing their things and resources and, cuz i heard yeah. women singing on one of the records i listened to yeah yeah i've got friends that sing oh, good. with me sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah i've made some friends over the years but when you started doing this and it became popular i mean how did you tour with it well i just Still, kind of tour in this way where I load but up the with, car and. But when it was mostly sound experiments, oh right, I mean, really, yeah. like, like, What would the microphones do out there? There were a couple of attempts of playing, playing it live, where I would try and I was look like a one man band playing a drum and a guitar and an organ, and just people were laughing. So cause that was <laughs> not
0: the desired effect. Looks
1: clowny. No, that's not what I was going for. So I just sort of accepted early on that I can't translate this. And I developed. I think that's why I started writing songs because it worked better when if I'm going to perform in front of people to be communicating something. Well, what did you want out of it? Did you if you didn't want to really write songs?
0: What what was the evolution from you know sounds to you know these? I imagine you were finding a great deal of relief layering sounds. Yeah, like you know, there's something very satisfying mm-hmm. uh, about uh, you know having something because it, it's a very open palette. So, like, I can see it making sense as you do it and you kind of wrangling these different layers and noises. There's a real orchestration to it that doesn't play by any rules. Yeah. That I imagine has to, uh, to create it once you hit that place where shit seems right, it's sort of like, ah, oh, I could live here.
1: Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Producing. Yeah. And composing. Yeah. And, and the blurriness between producing and composing. That's, uh-huh. With just sounds. With sounds and, and instruments. and Yeah. You know, or I'm going to take this piano and put the mic 200 feet away. And what, what happens then? Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Of course, that's not the type of record I just made. I, I sort of... I make records like that that are these worlds of sound, and then yeah. sometimes I just write some songs on the guitar and make records like that.
0: My girlfriend said that when she had a microphones record that you would do the... Like, there was some sort of fold-out pop-up
1: thing that you made. <laughs> oh, she had that one? Yeah, what is that? And I was like, where's my fold up pop-up yeah, thing? Yeah, that was yeah that was my second album on k it was hot we stayed in the water is the title and i had this idea that yeah it'd be a gatefold lp that was popped up like a pop-up book. right but my idea about how to die cut them didn't pan out so i just had to get a crew of people together and we hand cut with exactor knives and glued them together and it took a month yeah of people constantly in my house and Dude, so when it came time to repress, on the record,
0: how many press? How, how big a press? Just a thousand.
1: Pressing? Yeah, it was really labor intensive.
0: Oh, that is labor intensive. So that was. <laughs> so I wonder. I wonder if she still has that. It sounds like a
1: rarity. It's a rarity. Yeah, <laughs> the repress was not a pop up. What was it called? It was cold? It was hot. We stayed in the water. That was from two thousand.
0: And how do you? Well, how do you construct songs? I mean, previous to moving through the feelings of this new record. I mean, what was your process?
1: I used to... Well, it was very studio-based. I would go in the studio... I have a studio in, in my Anacortes. town. Anacortes? Yeah, in Anacortes. And it's, just, it's in an old church. Yeah. Like a uh, Catholic church that's not a Catholic church anymore. So, it's this big, beautiful room. And I would just go in there and uh, explore these kind of raw ideas. What would it sound like if I put this thumping thing through the subwoofer and right. then hit the gong over here and right. play this organ? Um and then that would I would sort of wrestle that idea into a song. Uh-huh. So the so the words are actually the final element, more or less. Some midway through, and then I was also singing about really kind of big questions, a lot of metaphors, trying to make big statements about life and death in the universe.
0: Well, what what were the big questions for you well, then? What does it mean to be alive? What
1: you know? What's the point? So you you have that current of. Uh, 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 Malaise. Well, no, it's not a sadness or a melancholy. It's just... It's an honest question. Yeah, it's an honest question. I, I, <laughs> now I ask it every morning. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, we're, we exist. Isn't that weird? That's basically my feeling. Right, but some people seem to have a good time. Yeah, I have a good time. Do you? Yeah, often. In fact, the fact that I get to make these, to ask these questions and make this music, that seems like... I'm doing pretty good. Do, do you ever get uh, to a point where you're like, oh,
0: I've got closure on the what's the point thing? Oh, I, I doubt it. I mean, what would life be
1: like then? I don't know. Relaxing? Enlightened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, you grow up with any religion? No. Uh, no, no.
0: No. So you don't no, have no. that hanging over you to, to maybe uh, jump back to if necessary?
1: No, I don't have any of that. I've maybe tried to like read Buddhist books just to see if that clicked with me yeah no good some, uh, some of it did in like a poetic way maybe but not the actual like I'm not gonna meditate f- to get enlightened I mm. don't think mm. yeah it makes me
0: anxious <laughs> I get the opposite effect from meditation yeah I, I don't get the enlightened I get the sort of like oh my god
1: well I honestly don't know if I believe that enlightenment is a real thing yeah I, I mean seems a little bit like believing in heaven which i i just don't believe in belief (laughs) well you right it's a trick you play on yourself to get by
0: yeah and i imagine people be critical of that i mean either you can live in the trick or (laughs) resort to it occasionally i think that's the definite that's the difference between spirituality and religion
1: right yeah yeah. (laughs) totally like when when do you use it or are you just always
0: in it if you're always in it then uh yeah that that becomes somewhat of a I don't know. I've been having a lot of these conversations. lately. They don't get me any closer to God. Yeah. Well, we can stop. <laughs> no, I don't mind. So when did you um, start working with or meet uh, your your wife?
1: I met her in 2003. Genevieve? Yeah, Genevieve. Genevieve. Yeah. She's French Canadian. Oh, from what part? She Well, Montreal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she's a Montreal kid. How'd you meet her? Her dad was English Canadian, so he lived in Victoria, which is really close to Annecyortis, like okay. thirty miles. And yeah, she was setting up shows there and met a lot of people that I know through music. She was a promoter. No, she was. She's a graphic novelist, cartoonist. She's got some books on Drawn and Quarterly, the publisher there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, she, she was also a musician. What's her last name? Castre okay. is her. I mean, it's a pen name. Yeah, but yeah, Genevieve Castre, and um. So, yeah, I met her through setting up shows there, and she offered to set up some shows for me, and I said, yes, please set me up as many as you can, and Uh we we ended up going on this little tour together around all those islands around Vancouver Uh, Island, little towns. Love it up there. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I want to live up there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can. I can? Yeah,
1: you're invited. They'll let me? (laughs) Um, So, you you felt uh, instantly drawn. Yeah, I mean, even before I met her, people... That knew both of us were saying, "Oh, Phil, wait till you meet this person it's going to be crazy there yeah. was I, I think people just knew, we oh were, yeah, we were well suited for each other.
0: How did it go? Did you work together? did you like
1: did you how 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 did it start? She moved down to Anacortes? What happened <laughs> Yeah, pretty much I mean it was we went a hundred percent all the way. We were like, let's have kids let's be we, you're my person forever. It was like, yeah, certainty. 2003? Which, 2003. A lot of people we knew were freaked out. They were, Phil, who's this person? Are you sure you're going to get married? This is so fast. And How long were you married? 13 years. We, we got married pretty much right away. Yeah. On leap day in 2004. Well, partially because she was Canadian, so, so she could live with me. Oh, it's so funny because now I, I want to go the other direction. Go to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, when that was our plan just to leave the you know 2003 it was also a terrifying time true yeah politically and same wars happening but uh we just couldn't figure out where in Canada to move and after a long time sitting there trying to figure it out we realized oh well I guess we live here oops so did you did you guys create music together not so much we were both pretty stubborn solitary leave me alone type people Mm mm-hmm I and that was, somehow worked together.
0: The the one thing that struck me when I put that record on, because I didn't, I don't even know if in the note you said what happened. Did, I think in in the note you just said that your kid is learning to talk from hearing me talk in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. What's your kid's name again? Agat. I Agat. I and uh, I thought that was very sweet. And then, um, and then I put the record on, and it was just like it. it I think the first song it like w- within the first two lines you say death is real mm-hmm. or is that the first
1: that's the first line yeah death
0: is real yeah and I was like oh my god what's happening <laughs> yeah and then like um but then like it didn't like once I realized as each song went through and they were very descriptive i think more descriptive in a way that was related to real life than the other record I listened to. Mm-hmm. It was not fragmented in any way. There was a narrative.
1: Right. Well, yeah, there was a shift. Uh, I When I was talking about how I used to tackle these big questions and use metaphors, yeah. with this new record, all of that was like, why was I thinking before? What? How cocky of me to try and talk about mortality you know what did i know well you will
0: well, well it's speculative you know and, it, yeah. and it's it, we, you may not feel like you knew anything but you know it's something none of us know about in terms of experiencing it uh firsthand mm-hmm. right but but it's something we're heavily aware of and and we're managing a certain uh lack of acceptance or terror moving towards some sort of acceptance of it as we get older and you just got delivered uh, a very premature blow.
1: Yeah. Well 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 how old is uh, your daughter? She's 2, just over 2. So
0: when when did um so you had you had this child
1: and your wife wasn't ill. No, she went in just for a regular checkup like a postpartum four months thing and had a little abdominal pain Uh to the regular doctor and it was like you know oh there's a suspicious looking little thing here we're gonna do this other test for you and then that test led to more suspicion and just within the space of a few days and a few scans it like everything crumbled it was insane
0: so there was a diagnosis within days
1: yeah well yeah our local doctor saw the scans and we're like, it's inconclusive, we don't know. And Geneviève was like, could it be cancer? Is it cancer? And the doctor said, oh, likely. I, I'm so sorry, do you want to talk to the chaplain? I have to go, somebody's giving birth. It was just a very bad social... Some doctors um, are not good at that. Yeah, this one wasn't. Uh-huh. And so... We hung on that word likely for ten days until our next appointment where we were going to Seattle to get the actual biopsy. Uh-huh. And we were like, What did she mean, likely? And what? The chaplain? Yeah. That was what Are is she gonna die? And yeah. Just like and we hadn't trying to put it out of our head. So right. in that ten days that was a very weird ten days. But then yeah, she went to Seattle and it was confirmed and it was we still didn't really we had this baby, you know, we brought the baby to the appointment. Yeah. To um to get the bad news. And that that doctor in Seattle had to <laughs> How was he? He was good. I could tell he was just horrified at his job that day to was tell us. Was he an oncologist? He was a yeah, a surgical oncologist. Uh-huh. So he we were going to him to confirm that this tumor was not surgically Removable, non resectable. Uh-huh. It had grown around, it was pancreatic cancer, uh-huh. so it had grown around her um, vessels. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I've, yeah, I used to know so much about this stuff, but I'm actively trying to block it out sure. of my mind. But yeah, I remember these days very vividly. And I remember specifically having this crying baby in my arms in the doctor's office as he's like, I know that having the baby there was making the rawness of his job that much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel sorry for him now. We could have gotten a babysitter that day. But we just were, our mind frame was like idealistic. Right. It can't be that bad. They're going to tell us good news today, thinking positive. Sure, trying to live your life. Trying to live our life. We were new parents and we were just on this other path. But And so then you get this confirmation and the
0: reality shifts and, The process of acceptance must be horrendous. Yeah, I mean, because you don't want to.
1: No, we didn't want to. We just drove home in this kind of haze and uh, with a screaming baby. And what was the prognosis? um, Well, the way they talk about it is positive thinking and optimistic. But we also were like looking at the statistics on the internet, which is not great. Not good to do maybe psychologically right of course but couldn't help yourself couldn't help ourselves and my mind has this thing i can't turn off where i just have to like prepare get ready for what's likely to happen try i try to have some control yeah yeah so through all of this i've been trying to act positively and think positively well at the same time in the back of my mind preparing for the worst case scenario
0: what was there any possibility of treatment i mean was did yeah, you go she, through she, that sort of like we got to change the diet we gotta
1: yeah for sure she started chemo right away and we there were some experimental surgical techniques that we ruled out first uh-huh. like different yeah we very quickly went into the world of cancer both alternative cancer stuff and mainstream cancer stuff and up and coming like immunotherapy uh-huh and, different like laser surgeries at this place in cleveland oh but it costs a hundred thousand dollars what blah 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 yeah just immediately into that world and and was there a time frame for they no. they never at no point did anyone tell us you have this amount of time to live because that's a that's a fast cancer it is and she lasted longer than she was supposed to i think i mean even though they never told us well, from, from the point of diagnosis to uh, her passing, how long was that? 14 months,
0: I think. Oh, my God. Which so, is, you, you did have some time.
1: Yeah, it wasn't good time. I mean, it kind of doesn't count because she got absorbed. She transformed into a different person. What do you, like, I shouldn't what? say it doesn't count. That's too heavy, but yeah. Like what kind of person just fueled by
0: the a the, uh, uh, kind of aggravated optimism and need to
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean when i knew her when i met her and when we lived together for all those years she was like kind of a confrontational skeptical hardcore punk type yeah And, and and you like that comfortable with pessimism and negativity. In fact, most of her music and art that she made was about like embracing the darkness. Right. It's okay. Process this stuff. Get into it. Chew it up. Don't get lost in like rainbowy. Yeah. Positivity. But then she that's, got. That's not quite like you though. Like right? you're a little more. I'm into the darkness too. But you seem to
0: uh, like. Um, I have a bright demeanor uh, today. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I'm good. Los good. Angeles. Yeah, yeah. But okay and then she turned into
1: yeah I th- the, part of what happened to her through the desperation of like trying to be alive yeah was she embraced a lot of stuff that to me didn't seem like her right uh, um well there's i guess but you 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 you'll 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 uh forgive her that oh for sure like what like what like for instance the everything she did everything she tried every she got into unicorns and angels and uh, tarot and um, all kinds of extreme diets, and she just tried everything. Um, huh. And I, I, I need to be careful talking about that stuff because, yeah, I don't blame her at all. Who knows how I would react and transform? It just was disorienting to live with. Well, I think you're just trying everything. Yeah, I don't. It's a, I think like when it would seem to
0: me that when one becomes, you know, terminal that. You know, it's a, it's a type of, it's very hard to, to, to be giving in any way, I would imagine, because, you know, I mean, the struggle to, to, to find a way to survive versus, you know, being there for other people, it's got to be tricky.
1: Yeah. It was okay for her to be absorbed into it. Yeah. It was sort of like the stated roles that we, I, I held down the house. I took care of the kid. Yeah. I did the shopping. And yeah. And she was like in her studio drawing sometimes, but mostly just listening to like meditations on YouTube and uh-huh. getting tarot readings over the internet from people and <laughs> just doing all that stuff. How would the tarot readings be f- oh, a remedy? I don't know. I uh, mean, I, I I sort of turned the other way, honestly. I was supportive, but... I, I was taking care of this kid. I was buying groceries and, like, calling the insurance company. Li- yeah. Living in the hard realities of Right, Oh, life. right, right. And so, yeah, I was disengaged from that stuff.
0: Yeah, you just allowed her to space out of necessity for... For sure. For her, but also for you to do all the other stuff.
1: It, and it really helped her, I think. I think that a lot of that did prolong her life. But yeah. at for- the same time, she, it wasn't her... And she was absorbed in it, staying up late, just lost in that world. But yeah, but I guess I imagine if you were just hanging around
0: panicking too and doing the same thing, <laughs> it wouldn't have been good. It was probably the distance in that way of, of practicality was probably helpful.
1: I suppose so. Because what are you going to say? Like stop doing that or like, wait, I have I found another tarot reader. <laughs> it was more, the the reason why it's even an issue is that it was more that she wasn't available to have any sweet Th- three-person family time right she was inaccessible to our daughter and uh that, that was hard and sad but understandable but understandable yeah so i complained about this stuff <laughs> and forgive her for it maybe i shouldn't even talk about well, it.
0: well what happened when when it when she became physically ill i mean did did it change yeah I mean, what just, was that process
1: yeah, she her body transformed. So pancreatic cancer is a digestive cancer, so she couldn't digest food. Uh-huh. So her body was she was kind of starving, uh-huh. and she got very skinny. And um, and then she was doing chemo as well, so that contributed. And she had no hair. She, and then she got jaundiced. I mean, it was the whole the whole thing. Was and what bad. did she find any solace in the child or? Oh uh, yeah, tons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was keeping her alive in a lot of ways mm. and then chanvie was working on a book for for our daughter that was that drawn and quarterly is going to put out she's working on a a board book a kid's book uh-huh. although it's very heavy because it's unfinished it's mostly finished but she didn't finish it uh-huh. there's a book about a mom who's trapped in this bubble and this kid that wants to play with the mom but the mom's sorry i'm in this bubble oh my god yeah it's very and heavy did she write it all when she was ill yeah, it's illustrations, so it's, you know, because she's a cartoonist. So they're, like, little paintings. There's 16 pages. Very beautiful. And then the end of the book is the bubble pops, and the mom walks away and can breathe freely. She's no longer hooked up to the oxygen tube, and, you know, she's drawing this with the oxygen tube, hunched over her death, just trying to, like, get the last pages done. And she didn't finish it? She didn't finish it, and we're going to publish it in that way. So, you know, a fucked up kid's book. <laughs> I don't know what parent is going to read this to their kid, but it's, it, you know, it needs to come out. Yeah. So,
0: w- were you the primary caregiver?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then we had a big crew of people, friends and family that were helping a lot, too. And she passed away at home? Yeah. Yep. They We brought a hospital bed in and hospice and everything she she tried chemo a bunch of different times Mm. she even we went to hawaii a year ago god it seems like so long ago but it's a year ago from like now Mm. to do this um naturopathic retreat which turned out to be a big scam but anyways oh that must have been a horrible revelation it it was horrible but at at that point it was like just money whatever yeah we have bigger issues right and and like so how long has she been gone july 9th she died so less than a year yeah less than a year yeah so short i i dove right into this like making this record and going back out into the world quickly i don't know why i did that Hmm. i well i kind of do i I was living in this uh, under these restraints of like being a parent being a caregiver well, you know when I listen to it
0: like that's sort of like the 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 kind of interesting and 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 daunting thing about it and I you know not not that it's a reasonable comparison but after my after my second wife left me, you know, I I was working through it as it was happening. Mhm. Publicly. Mhm. Cuz that's how I work through things. <laughs> uh-huh. And I don't know if it was a good decision or appropriate necessarily, but it was what I had to do. And like when I listened to the record, which, you know, really starts, it seems like you started writing that stuff fairly quickly mm-hmm. after she passed away. Yeah. Because it was all those questions that you seem to have had. Many seem to have been answered in a very... um sad way. Yeah. And very real yeah. like the you know death is real. That that you know that is not a surprising thing and intellectually we all know that, but the tone of of that first song is that it's real and um and I, there was no way I could prepare for it and and I and I didn't expect it to happen now.
1: Yeah. But I've been living with it coming for a year well and also that the version of death that is real in real life like an actual person dying is a completely different thing than the the death that gets sung about and or like reflected in art and music and talking about it and literature the actual experience of the thing is kind of unsayable right and you said it all well i attempted to but i don't know if i still think it's unsayable it's, I still feel like my record isn't the same thing as feeling it. Of course,
0: no, of course, but like, but the immediacy of it and the details in the poetry are are very uh, they're sparse but very pointed. Yeah, and and I think that does have, you know, like I'm I can't feel what you felt, but you can feel what you felt, and you have your feelings, and I understand. Yeah, you you know, it's not. It's never going to be the same, or you you you're not going to know in your heart really from the physical vessel what that feels like. But um, but you can certainly feel like you reckoning with it. Yeah. And I guess what I was going to say is that you know, given the time frame, and given you know the the need to um to get out and and be part of the world and to 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 put these songs together as part of your grieving process, I don't know that you're i don't know that you're done no of course not i don't think there is a done no but i mean like i think like you know um like that was the feeling i got that you're like i've got to i have these feelings Mm -hmm. and and i've got to put them i've got to get some control over them yeah and these are the songs yeah but i mean how is your life i mean do you are there moments where you're like oh my god she's you know she's gone
1: yeah yeah, of course. There, yeah, there are those moments. Still, they are becoming more spaced out. Uh-huh. You know that those harsh realization moments. It's not even harsh always. It's more just weird, surreal. Like, yeah, I can't believe this is actually real. It's not a conceptual thing. Did you break down? Oh yeah, lots all the time, all over the house. And you know, my daughter just is like, "Papa's crying," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm crying. It's okay. She's just used to it." It's been a while. I've, how did she handle it? How did, how, how, she's what? young enough that I think she's kind of oblivious to the existential aspects. But she knows she's so, gone. Does she remember? I don't know. She like she hasn't quite put it together yet. She knows who Mama is, and oh, she was a year old when she, she died? she was a year and a half. Uh-huh. but also just there are pictures of her around the right, house. She's right. this presence, right? And people talk about her, and yeah. so she's a person that. That she, my daughter knows, but uh, it's just a person she never sees. Like a friend that went on a long it's trip. It's interesting
0: because she's probably not going to have anything to hold on to.
1: No, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Like actual memories. Right. People often don't have them. Although this kid is an incredible rememberer, so who knows? Yeah. And what's your plan, man? <laughs> uh, I don't have a big plan. I mean in terms of music and stuff i'm I i was not planning on making more music. I wasn't planning on making this album. if anything, I thought I, music was like ir- irrelevant to my life i would I would just get some job and it seemed like self indulgent to f- be focused on creativity in the way that I had been in the past
0: but um, it's like but on another level you know sadly um it's a it's a pretty like it's a beautiful record, and it's a brilliant record, and it's a, a honest record, and and um, somehow or another it connected you to something very non intellectual.
1: That's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that- I mean, you know, and also like to handle that, to manage that, you know, on the record and have it not be. Like, as a listener, you know, I, I felt part of your process, but I didn't feel leveled or sad for you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? Like, you know, I felt like I was being carried through the experience mm-hmm. of something that's very human and very tragic, mm-hmm. but but part of life. Yeah, sure. It, you know, your process, how anyone deals with grief and the actual, you know, loss of somebody, you know? and um and that's a that's not an easy thing to do it's probably the best writing you've ever done
1: i feel that way thank you thanks for all those compliments yeah i mean i'm I proud of it i'm, I'm
0: I, terribly sorry for your loss it's a devastating thing
1: yeah it it is I didn't think through any of this. I didn't conceptualize it. I just no, it just I know. came out of me this way. Yeah, I feel that. It was sort of like dipping into a stream that was already flowing. But your impulse was to ma- to deal with it creatively uh, uh, because that's where that's what you are. That's true. And <laughs> once it started coming out, it was it was feeling so good to work on it, to work on these songs. I would run up to that room whenever I had a chance and get, you know, get back to work on it and it was just feeling so therapeutic
0: oh yeah because you you literally sort of answer these questions you know if, if those those uh, stages of of uh grief you know are real mm-hmm. which they are uh it feels like you know they're all in there mm-hmm do you know i i don't know in a jumbled up order yeah well i be but kind of i mean i you know i i think that there's a lot of things that are going to keep coming back yeah. you know i mean but i i imagine that you know know, denial isn't done uh-huh uh you know acceptance may be rocky but it's there <laughs> uh-huh. right but you know depression and anger those are probably going to come at you yeah, for a that's few true. More years. I might
1: make an angry record next. That sounds good. <laughs> it does. It does sounds like creatively fun. <laughs> well, you didn't experience that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, we had a year of pre-grieving before she died. That's the least, thing about
0: prolonged illness. Huh? Yeah,
1: and I have friends who have lost their partner abruptly, car oh, yeah. car accident, or and. They don't have the advantage. Advantage is a weird word to use, but it's true that I felt like I'm further down the path, right, and then then somebody that. Well, lost that, their that's that's
0: the interesting thing about, uh, and this was not as long as long term illness can be. No, and she was, you know, had her mental faculties. Yeah. So you were afforded that opportunity to to have those conversations.
1: Yeah, although she wouldn't acknowledge. Mortality. She, she was, she didn't want anyone to talk to her about the possibility that she might die. She fought all the way till the end? Yeah, till her last breath. It was, that that's who she was, a fighter. So, so she didn't change. She, yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> and that's my proof for that. All this stuff that she kind of, this new outfit she put on of rainbows and unicorns wasn't really her. It was just in desperation. Yeah. But yeah, she that's didn't a, change. That's
0: a whole other song.
1: Yeah, you're right. Wow. She did an amazing job of having cancer and dying. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's a weird sentence, but like she did incredible at yeah. it. She did really good at having at doing chemo. She was best friends with all the nurses. Oh. She was just so uh, she knocked it out of the park. Grace. Yeah, she died really well, even though i'd rather she didn't (laughs) yeah i hear you do you want to do a song okay which one do you
0: play which one do you like to play
1: i was gonna see i have these new songs but uh i didn't know if you wanted
0: whatever you're happy with you know if if there's a song from the record that you know
1: you find to be uh something that you like to play i might play yeah maybe i'll play a song called forest fire it's it's a good uh, it's relevant to the stuff we talked about okay Mm -hmm. sounds good okay I'm gonna close my eyes while I sing okay and I'll just watch the levels okay yeah don't watch me (laughs) the year moves on you in it now it is fall without you I had to close the windows and doors without you coming through I kept them open for as long as I could but the baby got cold I watched the calendar This whole past summer was a lingering heat wave, and I remember late August, our open bedroom window going through your things with the fan blowing and the sound of helicopters and the smell of smoke from the forest fire that was growing billowing just on the edge of town where we used to swim say a natural cleansing devastation burning the understory erasing trails there is no end but when I'm kneeling in the heat throwing at your underwear the devastation is not natural or good you do belong here I reject nature Disagree, And in the hazy light of forest fire smoke, I looked across at the refineries and thought that the world was actually constantly ending, and the smell and roar of the asphalt truck that was idling just out the window tearing up our street, I missed you, of course. I remember thinking that the last time it rained here, you were alive still, and that this same long heat that I was in once contained you, and in this same heat, I opened the window next to you on your last morning, so you can breathe, and then so you could ghost away, So the room will hopefully Stop whispering The grind of time I'm not keeping up with The leaf on the ground Pokes at my slumbering Grief walking around Severed lumbering
3: But slowly Sovereignty Reasserts
1: itself I don't want it though And betrayal winds Who and how could I Live
0: That's great. Thank you. You feel all right? Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. It was great meeting you.
1: Yeah, likewise.
0: That's beautiful. It's a beautiful album, and I, I don't... Uh, I'm sorry he had to go through what he went through, but uh, processing it, And elevating it through the music uh, helps everybody. I I really believe that's true. So this guy, Mark Mulcahy, uh, he's got a record out. It's called The Possum in the Driveway. You can get it wherever you get music. Uh, He was formerly and sometimes currently in the band Miracle Legion. He's got a hell of a beard right now. And he left his hat here but I was able to get it back to him. He'll also be performing the album, uh, the possum in the driveway in its entirety on three shows in the Northeast at the end of this month, the parlor room in Northampton, Massachusetts on June 21st lyric hall theater in new Haven, Connecticut on June 22nd. I think I played there and Joe's pub in New York city on June 27th. I've played there nice rooms, good venues where Mark Mulcahy will be performing the entire The Possum in the driveway album. I was happy to talk to him and it was fun to hear uh, him sing and play guitar. So this is me and Mark Mulcahy. I don't know where I got it, but uh, somebody sent me Dear Mark J. Mulcahy I Love You (laughs) out of nowhere and I listened to it and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is great. Found it very moving somehow. Very uh, honest, some earnest music.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, yeah. I think and so.
0: You think so? And and I was like, what? The- what the- I tried
2: it that way. You know, it was like one day of recording for each song. Well, I just that- hit it, I man. Just nail this song today and without that- any waiting till later on and bring in the other guy later.
0: Oh, really? I- and I- it was
2: a real positive. You know, like I when I after I did it, I didn't think of it because I'm not you know that smart, but. Like, after I did it, I thought, okay, we're always moving forward. We're never going back to fix the thing. And it's never backward. Oh, so it, did,
0: it did have some... It, so it was there. It's a
2: different positive... You know, like usually you're laying everything out and doing right. all this, and then the other guy's going to come in on Tuesday, and you right. have a list of things you want to do, but... Everything was done... That was great. I always wished I'd to make a record that way. It still took a year. uh uh-huh. It was like the 12 days, were days. spread out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One day a month. <laughs>
2: but it was real forward moving, you know? And I really... I haven't done it since, but I would like to.
0: Well, that's odd that, that, that I registered because that's what registered to me is that I, I didn't, I, I kind of knew Miracle Legion and I, you know, you were and you seem like a, 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 wholly formed guy. Like I didn't do any research. <laughs> I get a lot of records. So like I put it on and then I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I think I tweeted it and I think we talked on Twitter a bit, but, um, but it just felt like very immediate. It felt emotional. It felt like it felt like it was happening. So it, so I'm glad that my ears read well. Yeah that you did that. So you mean you did it all live to tape
2: or just the session was all in one day? The session was in yeah, no there was lots of overdubs, but we you know, we just yeah. we keep going and then the guy that I was working with, Hen this cat Henning, he would say sounds pretty good, man. Like it sounds pretty good.
0: <laughs> you know, it wasn't really
2: a lot of right, fissy, you know, fussy fussiness. you know.
0: So there wasn't and that was a an intentional method to to stop you from from over analyzing
2: it, well, the thing was, the record that I'm, you know, humping now is the record I had all kind of made before I made the record you're talking about, Mark J. Mulcahy. Okay. And so I had that record all done, but it was kind of older, and I thought, you know, I kind of haven't made a record in a long time, and I'd rather make an immediate record. Right. when I wrote, I, like I'd write the song the week right. before. And it all just felt, I wanted to feel like I was coming from the new, you know, the, the Phoenix May, you know. Sure. Up and rising out, so... It was just like new material. I um, still love the other record, which that's why I put it out. But it just was better to do something. How many new.
0: times have you phoenixed,
2: man? Because <laughs> uh, I've been playing with Miracle Legion, and you know, the other night was our quote. You know, watch my air quotes. Our last gig ever, but we played our last gig ever. You know, ten times. times. Yeah, the governor of rock and roll is you know whatever <laughs> stupid metaphor that was.
0: <laughs> but that one, the the uh, uh, the one that I i I latched on to dear Mark J. Mulcahy, I love you. how was that the phoenix like how how did you feel like that like well, how is it different life wise um
2: uh well, I hadn't you know uh so what happened was yeah, I mean it's I think a lot of people know, but my wife died, and i have we had two kids, so I stopped doing anything for probably 4 years didn't play didn't record didn't make a record didn't do anything I i'm just, sorry like, to hear that yeah i know i'm what it, happened she just just dropped dead you know oh. no warning no oh. no nothing you know it was pretty sh- shocking you know yeah so uh that was just a that's a you know that was a a place where you know i had an obviously a totally different thing to do but still had the brain that i always had which was just keep you know yeah. make music right and so it was kind of a a real crushing of w- my normal self to do a yeah. thing that i you know i was happy to do because f- yeah. i wanted to and right all, but, but uh and finally i thought okay i'm gonna i gotta get you know i gotta get back to my brain you know yeah wants me to do this other thing yeah and so that's the phoenix part is that i just really wasn't I wasn't really clear like what was going to happen to me, you know, but Yeah, I, uh, but I've made records. I've always made records, even though I really didn't have any chance at success, you know, I would still would make it and hope. And yeah. so I never made one thinking this is the one that's going to do right. something for me, you know, <laughs> so I would have made it anyway, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> st- stupidness, but, um, well,
0: I guess the, I think there was sort of like, a, I, I, I think that Phoenix idea or just, uh, you know, moving through grief and, you know, using that to to process, uh, to, to using music to process it. I mean, it It works, right?
2: It, it You know, like, I, one, a long time ago, this is boring, but I, I was playing baseball. These guys, yeah. let's say baseball. And I played baseball when I was a kid. And I'm like, okay, let's play baseball. And the guy hit a ball, and I just started running like a mental case, like I was 10 years old. Like, it's still in your head. You still want to do the thing that you, that you sure. did a lot. Yeah. So this was even, you know, bigger for me. And so... Yeah, it was. It, it's a something about just giving your brain the chance to do what it wants to do, instead of like trying to make it do something all the time that it you want to do or it it's doesn't exact, want to do. Exhausting. Your mind or yeah, whatever, whatever one of those things. But doing the thing you want to do, then your brain says, or your mind—I don't know which yeah. one—but one of the what other. What about
0: your heart? Does that play in?
2: Mm, you know I My I put a lot into it. You know, like I, for me, like the best part of of. You know, music. I love to sing, but I love writing word, writing lyrics that, and I put a lot of my self into yeah. the into the lyrics. Even if they're stupid, I still want it to be good, stupid or good, silly or good, whatever. Sure. So I put a lot of it into there, and, and so that that's where my, you know. Then I, and then when you're done, you go, yeah that all adds up in a good way or no that was do you write when you write
0: is it just sort of like uh bits and pieces or do you kind of find because like i mean your songwriting is pretty uh, pretty amazing and it's very moving and i'm i'm new to i know this is going to sound weird but i'm sort of new to uh to actually paying attention to uh
2: lyrics <laughs> me you know me too someone me too there's certain guys i do and then right. most people i don't really know isn't that weird? Well, it's I, weird when you put on some song from that you've been known for 30 years, like, you know, I don't know really know the lyrics. I don't
0: know <laughs> one, one bit of this. I have no idea. And maybe the chorus, and I'm probably not getting it right. Exactly. But, but like, you know, you, you seem to, like, you know, really capture something, and, and it's emotional. But so when, when, how did you guys start?
2: We started where uh, Ray and I, Ray is the guitarist. Mr. Yeah. Ray, people call him. Uh, he was the guitarist. Uh, and we had been the side bananas. I, I was a drummer. I started as a drummer. So yeah. he was a drummer and we were the guitar player in different bands. And then we just thought we'd just try to do our own band. Yeah. Try to and, write songs. We never had done anything. You
0: know? And and what was, how old were you?
2: <sighs> Probably a 20, 20 something, you know.
0: And what was going on up there? Like, what were the bands? Like, what was driving you? Because, like, you guys certainly fell into a world, right? I mean, that was the first wave of, I guess, what they would call alternative rock. Yeah college rock?
2: Yeah, it was a great time, actually. It was Gang of Four for right. us, uh, the Gun Club.
0: Oh, we yeah. We
2: really, mod- in the beginning, we really modeled ourselves on the Gun Club, even um, though which, we don't really sound, sound like On that first
0: record, like I'm preaching the blues. We pollution.
2: tried, we, yeah, exactly. Fire of Love. Totally, you yeah. Know, love that guy. Um, He's another goner, but. He is, man, and and that record was really the best record. Yeah, you know, he became a great guitarist. I, I, Jeffrey I Lee? On, yeah, well, for, you know... Before actually, yeah, before I was in Miracle Legion, we Ray and I and we promoted a lot of shows. We, you know, we did brought a lot of bands to New Haven. You did, yeah. It, it really did a lot of promotion, and I learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot it. Well, like
0: what? So, uh, oh, interesting. So you tons guys, tons of
2: people, man. You ran the thing. You were like, we're bringing the new music to New Haven. Yeah, I would go to the club and say, look, I can get these bands. What like, venues back then? Uh, well, the sort of uh, the Great American Music Hall was a place in New yeah. Haven. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, once in a while somewhere in Hartford but kind of steadily at a place called uh, The Grotto or The Brothers Three you know weird little right. places but so this was like 1980? later than that it was like it was sort of a uh, a big well you know like I did maybe well whenever the replacements I remember having the replacements for like you know when they were unknown or oh, everybody, I didn't have any yeah, money so it'd be, yeah. they have to be unknown I did Mission of Burma a lot Oh, yeah? Yeah, every time they came, you know? Yeah. Perubu. Um, yeah. Uh, but I did, I fell into, like, all the California hardcore came through. And I did, you know, Black Flag and DOA and Dead Kennedys. and Was that at the, at the time
0: where that it was still, like, kind of word of mouth, punk rock? Like, you know, like, because um, I talked to a lot of cats that, well, I guess it might be a little later than that, where, you know, most record stores didn't carry that shit. You okay. know, right? So like they had to find the one guy who would carry those records or like a lot of these punk guys, they had to get the British records from a dude. Yeah, it was a kind of subversive world of punk fans that would take care of each other. So were you on the, the kind of like a uh, mail list of like, you know, dude, do you know a place we can play? That kind uh, of shit. I
2: was that guy, but I wasn't a punk. I right. wasn't a punk at all. We, we had suits on. We were like. Oh, Yeah. You Doing the probably more... kind of hated by them, you know, <laughs> but, the but... misfits, you know. Oh, right, right. A more British trip, uh, no, no, but but but, but, but I, I somehow those were the guys I'd get calls from, you know. Yeah, you yeah. get a call from I don't know, I don't know. And I worked with a couple of agents that would have like, uh, oh, you know, like the feelies or something, or oh, I love the feelies, the bongos, yeah, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that was around, yeah, everybody would go on tour and. You know, there's a, there was a finite number of bands, so it was yeah. easy to manage the whole. So thing. you were the point guy in New Haven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I learned. You know, I learned a lot about. Like, I didn't, I didn't really know about touring, how that worked, or really what it was. And so uh, I saw a lot of things, and it helped us. You know, do kind of more than we might have done, I suppose. Yeah. You know?
0: What about sound wise? Did it influence you that way?
2: Not so much. No, I wouldn't say so. I don't yeah. know what we what we were thinking about trying to do. We were yeah. doing. We were doing. Like, Jay says this thing, you know, I like people who go to the end of their ability, like a singer or anyone. And we would just go to the end of our abilities, you know? Yeah, so you didn't have any driving influence? We had this idea of, like, we never sounded like Queen, obviously, but Queen was a band that would do any song, any kind of song. Right. So that was the openness of how we would think about it. Yeah, If it went one way or another, it was fine. Right. So we were never, you know, we got sort of compared to R.E.M. a lot and I don't. I I read that, but I didn't hear it. I think we su- we se- seemed like them, but I don't think we sounded like them. That was my. No, he definitely had a little more um uh, of that thing that that,
0: he what's his name Ray, right? Something more, Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray. He had. There was something I could hear from his influences in there that REM did, did you know did not do that.
2: Maybe you know? yeah. We had a, We had a good you know playing with him because I don't know it's it's clear, but we, you know, we quit playing twenty years ago and we've been playing and like I've just finished yesterday. In San Francisco. Last gig, yeah, the last gig of history, and uh, so, um, so we had a, you know, we do have it, we still, we just have a, you know, that thing that's you hadn't
0: played with them in twenty years,
2: not really, no, and then you guys got together, we all got together, the four of us, you know, it wasn't. Just what no. about the other two guys? Did you play with them? I well, that was the TV show band that was Polaris, Polaris, yeah. So we did that, and that's what sort of opened the door to thinking, hey, what about we get Ray? Because Ray wasn't in Polaris, Ray was just out. Ray was out. It's like I, we well, I don't know how much to get into like everything, but we sure. were signed to a record label well, it's out cool here.
0: To, like, well, I like I like hearing those stories because I think it's <laughs> the,
2: the yeah. black hole of music. You know,
0: you know there's just this weird, uh, d- like demonic element to the the record business of of your uh, that. Yes, you know, I talked to a lot <laughs> of cats who were you know in the music business in the '80s and and earlier that it just becomes some sort of nightmare and you lose your freedom somehow. So, what you know, like to, to sort of just do what you want to do, one way or the other.
2: Yeah, I, well, that did happen to us. I mean, most of the time that we were just, you know, mopping along and doing a record as often as we could. But then we did get to the point with that label, I was going to say Morgan Creek, that we couldn't get out. I mean, they just wouldn't. Normally, you just get released, and that's your that's your bum out, you know. But right? They wouldn't release us, and we were just stuck with nothing. So and you did surprise, 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 in that? No, we did that. We were for a while. We were on rough trade, which is Are great. Good record. That's a great label. Yeah, you know, we did. We did uh, two or three records with them, and an EP, and and that was all good. And, and then they went bankrupt. See, that you know, we were, you know, we were just part of these things that didn't work. So yeah. we, they went bankrupt, and then we we had nothing, you know. Um, but like that the other guy you're just talking about, we didn't, you know, we were never going to like, we never said, ah, man, it's not working out for us. You know, we just always, <laughs> you know, it's just nothing feels stupider than being like that, but that's what it was. We just kind of would always keep going. And we had this kind of tenacity or something, not towards success, but just like, let's keep doing it, you know? And what was it, like you said before, like you, you
0: like, I don't know if that's, uh, uh, some, uh, you, you've grown into this, re, this, uh, what do I want, this um, resignation that, you know, you're not going to make the big record. You're not going right. to you know, make a hit record.
2: But when you started, I imagine you... I don't think we ever had that idea, you know. I just didn't think, we just didn't think of it that way. It seemed so unlikely to have, you know, this was a time when the bands that were having hit records were, you know, I don't know, Bon Jovi or something. Yeah, and It was, you know, theoretically in in some story that Nirvana just bludgeoned the whole thing it. to bits
0: but there were but at that time that was sort of the beginning of the college
2: charts right sure yeah and we wanted to do better believe me you know yeah. we were, we aspired and thought and tried and yeah. you know um so and we had you know managers here and there and we you know we tried all these things and we it's a lot of you know man you know it's like there's so much luck and timing and you meet the right guy and you're it's in the true. right spot and you're the thing people want i used to always say that you know, I don't blame Hootie and the Blowfish. You right, know. For, they just did for their voice. thing. They didn't try to do anything but be that, <laughs> and it just was the right, right. They were on the top of the wave at the right second. You know, I like at some point you had to let go of Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> well, yeah, well, sometimes you know, like in in like the, my time of no liking music, and then be in, when I liked music and I just wasn't a musician. That was a better. That was a sweet time <laughs> to me. But when you're in it, you know, you're it's different. And you, there's times when something comes along you're like you're like oh shit that's what that's what it... and i went to see them at this like uh radio station jingle along with all these new bands yeah yeah and they played it, and i was like oh my god that is, <laughs> that is so awful you know and i i mean i'm not trying to insult them because you know <laughs> no of course not i'm sure yeah. they're a nice guy and he seem like yeah. a, a great yeah, guy sure. you know but i was like that is just really and it was like here it is and then they started to just really elevate and i'm like holy shit, man, I have no chance in this game. None. And then that just goes away, you know? And then there's another one after that, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, so we always, you know, me and we just kept always chugging along. So we got on this Morgan, I was going to tell you that we got on the Morgan Creek and they yeah. went, I don't know what they were doing, man. They they made up a label to release the Robin Hood soundtrack, uh-huh. basically. And they signed a bunch of bands. And then we were Which stuck. Robin Hood? The, uh, the Kevin, Kevin Costner? Costner yeah, uh-huh. And so- that's what it was. Oh, they were a film company. They were the film company and yeah, they made some good movies early on. Right, but yeah, but they so they created a record label, were, what was the they created a record label with all the guys from the old labels. The guy, the head of the company was the guy the head of the company and they opened the doors with gold records everywhere. Yeah. You know, like wow. Sure. You know, but it anyway, was like They uh, hadn't even started Bob yet. Bob Seger Gold yeah, Record. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and the, the head of the company was the guy who arranged and these are great dudes too, like amazing guys to hang with. Arranged the the Beatles in the swimming pool in Hollywood picture. <laughs> so he that goes was, that was his credit? He's going back. Well I'm just saying he was Yeah, yeah. He was going back. David Kirschenbaum was an yeah. old, you know, yeah. guy that used to just, you know. So that was their press. They're like, Look who we got. We wrote, come, we're, come on, kid. We're going hardcore, but they didn't have any clue, really, I don't think. So we couldn't get out anyway. And that but, just did that, you make a record with him? Made one record and we prepared another record and they never it's nothing. Well,
0: well, what is it? What, what 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 do you mean they couldn't get it out?
2: They have no distribution. They didn't want. They it just yet? throw well, everything's on hold right now. You know, we're on oh. hold. Everything's on hold. Uh-huh. I, I, and I, I was like, well, how long is it going to be on hold for, man? You know, we're, we sort of our this is what we have. This is all we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're all I have. <laughs> and so it went for a couple of years. I I came out here. I'd come out here. They had a place. Their their offices were in uh, Century City. Like, yeah, tall buildings. Yeah, little. and uh, I said, "Dude, I'm gonna jump out this window, man." i would be in there with like a I had like a um, unibomber hoodie on. Yeah, I'm threatening the guy to jump out the window. He's like, "I can't help you, man." Like that,
0: <laughs> I can't open the window it's for like, you. you. Want
2: me to open the window? They probably had me insured, you know. So, you're um, glad if I jump out the window?
0: So that was the re- that was drenched was the record they put out. Drenched, yeah. And then the the,
2: ne- the next one they just and sat they I did out. another one. So we we fiddled up. But the the reason I was telling you that was that in that time when you asked me was Ray in Polaris no because he's like I, I finally had it you know I can't do any I, I quit he got married I'm quitting I don't want to do anything I got offered the Polaris gig on my own or they offered it to us and he didn't want to so I said could, could I try it and that's kind of where I started so what being it, my own man you know? Oh, okay so the Polaris gig
0: was that was uh you had to change your name for legal reasons
2: no I there guess. wasn't no I just got the job doing the music it was just a Purely, uh, it was purely a hired to write music for the show and record the music for the show. The band was sort of an afterthought. How, how did you get that gig? He said, "I love Miracle Legion, the guy like, who made P. Will." P. Yeah, I love Miracle Legion, and I said, "Well, I don't think you're going to get Miracle Legion, man. Those guys are <laughs> because the other two guys joined up with uh, Frank Black. Oh, they, they did. were the Catholics. If you oh, remember, they were if you yeah, sure, sure. The other two, the rhythm section was the Catholics, and they're like, i 'I'm in the Catholics. I don't, you know, this is good living. You know, I'm in a tour bus.' Did now. that? Did that? Did that bum you out? In the time before I got the gig with the Polaris gig with the TV show, I was man, now I got nothing. Everybody's gone. I can't do anything. Were you guys friends? Were you devastated? Did you? Yeah, we were friends. I mean, we've always been friends. You know, yeah. friends is like when we're together, we're friends. Then yeah. 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 We like someone would get out of the van after a tour. I would go, well, hey, friend, I'll see you like next tour. Like, <laughs> whoa, no, man, I'm gonna see you tomorrow. I'm like, no, you're not. Man. <laughs> so, so I got that job, and then yeah, they invented the band just to be in the open, really. Right. And so we you're, actually, you're, you're on TV? I said, you we, we guys, we, we guys we need to be in the open of the thing. We play the, you know, the theme song. Yeah. And that became a thing. But we never did a thing with that either. We're just like, you no, know, I'm not, you know, up here, I'm not all full of great ideas. And so <laughs> uh, I I never did anything. And then this guy offered us a gig. Like, that was the same kind of thing. I don't know how many years it was. 15 years later, a guy's like, I'm doing this Nickelodeon project. And would you guys want to play? And we never had played a gig at all. We never did anything. And it's like the biggest thing I have I've done, you know. Was like the so Nickelodeon many, project? Was the best band that everybody's when we, when we came out to play. It's like okay, it's like three or four hundred people every town, crying and screaming and loving and were like they weeping. kids? Was it a kid show? I mean, it was a I... kid show. Yeah, it was a kid show about two brothers. It was live, wasn't yeah. a cartoon. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was a very well written show. So, you know? so these... it didn't wasn't not for my sort of place in time, but sure. for a kid that was. Had a great soundtrack, had magnetic fields, and Iggy Pop was one of the characters, Stipe was one of the characters, you know, I don't know how I missed that. Uh, Patty Hearst was in it. Oh, yeah. So it was this really well done thing that, you know, uh, I think was a smart thing for a kid instead of the... Right. Most of the crap, you
0: know. So some of the people involved got followings of these, you had the new group of... Kids, they were kids. Well, you know, uh you know Toby Huss.
2: Yeah, he was w- in it.
0: Yeah, I, was- I
2: wish I, I kind of remember the show, but I don't think I, I saw it. He probably wouldn't have watched it. You know, mm-hmm. I'd watch it with my mom because I was in it. And then after like two episodes, she's like, "That's enough." You know, yeah, it's yeah. Good yeah. to see you there. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> son. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're on TV. <laughs> but but now you have an audience for Polaris. Polaris is a great thing. It's a beautiful. It's like so, like nothing. It's like what you really want. You go in there, everybody's like dying to hear it. Everybody's crying. Everyone's so united. It's like this beautiful gig where everybody's in the same place. You know? Yeah, there's no assholes. And yeah, nobody's dealing the wrong thing. Or right. Everybody's real reverent. And yeah, I loved it, man. I really had a, a great time. I hope we do it again. I don't. I bet we won't, but I'd You know what? Soundtrack. Do this show. We did a tour. We toured all over the place with Polaris. Uh huh. I don't know if I made that clear, but yeah, we hadn't played. The guy offered us one gig, and we just thought it sounded you know okay so we kept going yeah that's the way it is man
0: yeah and that was where you got your your biggest following of polaris S- i think so so far yeah now like what are, like talk about like how you, you, you it seems like you worked with some people you know like once miracle legion when you down uh sized it C- crashed basically. so the the album uh
2: me and mr ray was that that was after the crazy huff quit right you, the, to so original drummer and the second bass player who had like poisoned his mind. Yeah. <laughs> they quit. And so we said, oh man, you know, but it's always like, oh man, they quit, man. Let's make a record over this way now because yeah. that's all that, it's yeah. just like it's one thought. Yeah. Know? Let's yeah. make a record without those guys. You know? Yeah. So we had all these songs that we didn't really think were too good. You know? Yeah. And so we went and said, let's make these songs a record and see what we can do. And it, it all turned out real beautifully, you know.
0: Well that was a like a successful that was a good record.
2: That's a great I mean, excuse me, that was a great record for us. Yeah. You know? For me, I thought I achieved like a lot of things I wanted to Did achieve. Did you
0: get any traction? Mm,
2: probably not, you know, not really. <laughs> Where'd you record it? <laughs> we recorded it at Paisley Park. That was another super bonus. We you know, somebody came up with the idea that why don't you guys go to Paisley Park? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. What, what where's that? You know, yeah. So we went to Presley Park, you know. it's In Minneapolis? Yeah, well, it's a little outside of Minneapolis. And it's, was Prince there? Prince was there, only tangentially, man. I've never had a conversation with him. And, you know, I thought, like, I walked by him one time, and I was like, hey, you know, what's up, dude? And he's like, what's up? He was super nice or whatever, yeah. whatever that's worth. And, but now that I read, you know, after he died, you realize, you read all these things, about what a great dude he was, and he was always, like, involved. And I bet I could have said you know, you want to sit You in? want to play something he's like sure man be cool you know like he's just a musician you know it wasn't like a he's right, just a figure right, but right i wish it's a you know yeah of a regret I suppose yeah that's one of them you know who pro- and who produced it it's produced by a guy who was a total prick and we got rid of him and went to this other guy paul coldery he's the guy that fixed it he's the guy that produced all those boston bands that you name anyone he produced them all is yeah. he still around he's around. he he mixed um mark jay mulcahy oh he did yeah
0: Oh, that's great. He's, he's a great dude, man. Love, he,
2: love him. You yeah. still have a relationship with him. Still he's doing just the work. A, let's do, he's the same. Let's just do it, man. He's made, he produced the Radiohead record and Hole and has done huge things, but like, could you mix this? Like, sure. I'll,
1: oh,
0: yeah? Let's go, you
2: know? Yeah. Give me oh. 500 bucks. Here. Well, which Radiohead record? The first one, Pablo Honey. That's good. That's great. Yeah. You friends with those guys? No. I've met the singer who's a big fan of mine. Tom. Tom. It's a nice fan, But I, I've met him a couple of times. But uh, yeah, we don't have any. He's know. done your songs, right? He did. A, he covered a song that, that uh, all for the best, which is you know one of our great songs, I guess. And uh, uh, it was just in a um, TV show called The Imposters, and they used his version. And you know it was good. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was a good, good to, moment. Good to write a song. Yeah, it's surprise good check. There's the just sur- to write songs. Surprise check. It's an amazing thing when you get paid that you wrote a song and you didn't actually. Yeah, you just get an envelope in the mail. Somebody yeah. calls says, I want to do that. I, say, okay, I want to do that. And then, you know, yeah,
0: I, that, that's a, I, that is the uh, the the best part about it seems about music if, is if you got your publishing. If you write the song. Yeah. And it's a good song. Yeah, there's they, it. Just it just it goes out. It's like now go out and make money. Song. Go somewhere, please. Yeah, yeah. go.
2: <laughs> let's so, and so like Iggy's had an amazing run of that with uh, um, a few songs, right? With Lust two or for three, life. yeah. Lust for Life over and over, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the Pixies have had a lot of good luck with that too. Have they? With wanna, what? Well, you know, like, where is my mind? Where's my mind was in something, and they had we were in an Apple song. Uh, I forget an yeah. Apple ad. Uh huh. It's just people. It's you know, like Rich, the manager, he calls all the time trying to find these opportunities, but it's strictly, I like that. Hey, I like that guy. Yeah. You know, it's never. Yeah. It's never going to happen with businessmen calling each other. No,
0: know? it's a weird way it happens. I read that you know when they first did um, Search and Destroy, they used, remember, they used Iggy's Search and Destroy for a Nike ad that they ran in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And I'd know a guy who's on the other side, who's on the in the management uh, realm of the uh, music, or does you know behind the you know not not a musician anymore. And he said the guy who used that song for that commercial was just going through n- titles, like it was no nothing to do with Iggy Pop. He, he was liked just, this, he liked the title search and Search destroy. destroy, and then he listened to the song. And it's like oh yeah, so it was like it was just this random thing, and just it started. There you go, Mister uh, Osterberg. Here's a quarter of a million dollars, surprise. Have a good week. So what kind of like what when you do a show <laughs> like in San Francisco last night, what what are the crowds? Who's 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 left? Who are they?
2: Uh we we're good for like 250, 250 people. And because of the ver- variety of at least me and Polaris and that, there's a you know, there's a good mix of people. You know, well, but,
0: which album do you think did it? Like in, like in in the outside of the Polaris record? Is there a Miracle Legion
2: crew? Well, uh, you know, a, a lot of people like Drenched, which I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of half and half on. You know, that was the one that got the most attention and had the most money behind it in the ad in billboard, and billboard. Yeah. We were on David Letterman. And that really got a lot of, you know, the usual, the hype you associate, you know. Right. So right. a lot of people know that. But a lot of people know, you know, they, they find it. You know, people are... You get a lot of uh, it's very encouraging, like right to right to find, especially kids who find Polaris, and they look and they look around, and they find all the records, and they want to know everything, you know. That's, yeah, I know. I'm in the process. Gives you some hope, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's always out there. It's there now, and especially the, like Rich has made everything totally available, so it's it's good. Who's Rich, your manager? Yeah, the manager. Yeah, he's found a way to get everything on all the places you can buy records. You know,
0: And what way? When you, um... oh, I know it must be it must be difficult. Uh, with your wife passing away, but I mean, how did that, you know, like, how did
2: that change the way you approach the life in general? Did it? Hey, you know, man, to be brutally truthful, you know, like, it, 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 it's it's just, it's just, like I have to, you know, have to provide. I never provided, you know, before right. that, before I had kids. I wasn't a provider, and so. She was? No, well, I mean, we had money. We just had enough money to kind of, the two of us, she worked, I, you know, I played yeah. and we were fine, but. right. But you know, I I just look at what I'm doing. Uh, in a, I still feel you know like an artist. You know, right. But I also know that it's all. I have to bring home some. I can't. I have to bring home money from it. You know, yeah. I can't just think, How old are they? They're eleven, twins. Oh, right. So, so that, you know, that, it's just a, it's just a responsibility. Right. To, there's a, like and it, it may and it's you know it's been it's made me grow up quite a bit about what i'm doing and it makes me approach it's turned me a lot more professional about what i'm doing than i would have been you know i wouldn't have given a shit i would have like if this was if this was 10 years or something i would have come in and given you a hard time just cuz i thought oh, who is this guy you know does he, what does he want what does he want out of me you know i would approach everybody like that what do you right. want out of me right. fuck you you know and i you know i you know it doesn't make any sense to think that way obviously for whatever reason you're thinking that way but but i know you know i have a I feel like, you know, I'm really no, I feel, I was going to say earlier, man, like I've learned more since Miracle Legion than I knew all, and all the time I was in it, I've learned about how to sing, how I can sing differently and how to write and just everything about it has been, I, you know, this, the, really the thing of, uh, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything, you know? Right. So I'm in that, that's where I am Zen wise, you know, yeah. I know I'm. I know I have a long way to go, kind of thing. Well, it's mm-hmm. also interesting when you when you come at it because, like, I I'm the same as you, and and
0: maybe that's why that you know I I get a, a attracted to the records in that when I set out to do stand up or whatever whatever my chosen craft is, which you know was comedy, you know, I just wanted to, I, you know, I had, you know, I wanted to say something, I wanted to do this thing, right? I had no plan, you right. know. People like in show business, some of them have plans, you know. They have points they want to reach. They they keep a consistent hairdo. You know, they they're you know they maintain stylistic elements. They make connections. They do all that shit. And I entered it sort of like, I'm here. Where? When does it start?
2: <laughs> I know the idea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait.
0: We did the thing. I mean, where's the guy? Why isn't somebody here?
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought they were going to come get us. Yeah. When are we going to be picked up? Yeah. yeah. And you know, just to go like slightly on, we did like America Legion. We had a great success right off the bat. Yeah, boom! We went to England, which I'd never even, I never even—I I'd never been there. You know,
0: well that's what. Like, and is that boom,
2: we did well. And and Seymour Stein called us, and everything was going great. And then, shh, yeah. then what? Well, yeah, how it goes? Well, I mean, so which album was popular in England? It was called The Backyard. It's our first record. It's okay. an EP. An EP. That's and when it, EPs could go huge. It just struck somebody, man. It was like the perfect tune. Yeah, but Nobody knew how to capitalize. Nobody knew what to do in this country, or what anywhere. You know, but in England, we had a video on MTV right away. When we made a video, this girl, this woman we know, made a video. Kelly Reichardt, if you know her, she made the video for it. And uh, everything was. We're like, all right, well, I guess you know, I guess that's it. Let's go. Yeah, and then nothing, nothing (laughs) like a rock. (laughs) But what about? But it got you to Britain. Yeah, we toured around England. Yeah, we. We. I mean, it helped a lot. It, It. Helped us a lot. Did people come in England? Totally. you know, it was, Yeah. It was getting played on the radio, and that's when England was NME, and everything mattered. You know, We'd, yeah. we'd do a photo shoot for every of the, melody maker, NME, that be, oh, the photographer's come around, I'm going to take you to you know, the, the green yeah. and over to the hemp, and the, the Hempstead Heath, and take some shots around you know someone's yeah. graveyard. So <laughs> it was really crazy and exciting. You know? I wonder if that's where York got wind of you. He, well, he got wind of that song, All for the Best. Him that- and his brother, went, drew, and then he said... My brother and I heard that on the radio. We went to London and bought a record, and that's it, yeah. Oh, yeah? He's told me, I mean, he, he genuinely loves that tune, man. Like, like, I, it's not, and he's not <laughs> kidding. I mean, he is not fucking kidding. The first time, I, I somehow went to see them play in, in New York, and I got on the guest list somehow, so he knew I was on the guest list, I guess. Yeah. And so- it, we're, I'm at the show and he comes out. He comes off with Donker and said, "When you want to dedicate this song to Mark Mulcahy, I just love the next song." Blah And I'm like, "What? You know? <laughs> Did he play it? He played. Um, no, it wasn't all for the best. It was something else. Yeah. But it was their song. But yeah. But he dedicated it to me. And I'm like, and I'm looking at my friend, who is the only other guy who knows who I am. Yeah. <laughs> at this gig, you know. And it was just, I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. So I went to meet him. I'm. I, I went backstage. I'm like, dude, you know. And he, and he was like, uh oh, oh, oh. you couldn't. Wow. And then, you know, that's that was, I don't want to oversell it. That was pretty much it. I haven't, I've never really seen him again. No, but like, you know, <laughs> but isn't that beautiful, though? I mean, clearly that song shifted something in his head. Totally. And his brother, too. I know his brother a little better. I've toured with his brother's band. What's uh, his brother's band? They were called The Unbelievable Truth. Uh-huh. And he couldn't. I, I, you know, they were pretty good. He couldn't get away from being Tom York's brother, you know. That's tough. So it's hard. It's the hard. the burden of uh, sibling fame. People would accuse him of not changing his name. You should change your name, man. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know?
0: But I like that. I like that, like, you know, that you don't know how. That's a beautiful thing about mu- music because it's kind of magic like that. Right. You don't know when it's going to drop in. Yeah, that's why everything's always available. Like, you know, music doesn't go away. Like, I just get... I'm just now... Because I've had this vinyl resurgence and I realize how much shit... I don't know nothing about. And you can't... Like, I always get insecure, like, even when I talk to you because, you know, (laughs) you've done a a lot of work. And, like, I know there's got to be at least one or two people out there who are going to be like, I can't believe you didn't ask him about his dog. You know, like, you know, you talked about it in a song. And I can't accommodate that. All I can do is continue to be curious. But... You don't know when it's going to drop in. I'm like going on a goddamn Lee Morgan tear. He's been dead forever. Yeah. And, it, and it, like, you know, nine people love Lee Morgan. And now I'm like, so how did I not know about this guy? How was I going to know about him?
2: I don't know. I'm the same. Y- I mean, know, I-, I don't know. I know what I knew up until I started playing music. Right. So I know. Old shit. Uh, yeah. I'm on YouTube looking at Deep Purple videos. <laughs> That's me. You know? That's where I'm at. Yeah. I think you play to the heavy hearted dudes. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. Are you, at these gigs we just played you know this guy comes i flew from chile to see the show you don't know yeah. uh, it's what i like you you, you know, yeah. and they start hugging you and yeah you know the you know the hug that like he, he need he wins, needs he needs it you're like, yeah like i know and i'm happy you Yeah, know you yeah. can I have a hug but then it's like okay okay man <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hugs are hard to get out of if they're, you know, yeah, if they're, sincere, if, you know. The, oh, yeah. It's not like a baseball hug after a home oh, run or something. It's like a, a real a, solid yeah. hug. That's a so weird. They're just compo- Hugs are hard to get out of if they're sincere. <laughs> well, there's, you know, they're really, and, you know, you really get. You can feel it. And the Polaris thing, I was saying, they're, they're crying. They're bawling. I'm looking across these, every fifth person is weeping, you know. Yeah. To hear this tune that's from their brain. Their brain's like, oh, my God, it's the thing that we all, L- when we were kids. Let's cry. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and it's a happy, you know, crying, but
0: that, not everyone can write songs like that, buddy.
2: No, <laughs> I have one song, dude, and I I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's called uh, "Don't Talk Crazy," and it's about a guy who gets wounded in war and comes home. <laughs> you can't, no one can listen to it. It's like it's unlistenable song. It's just so I'm crying right now. I honestly, God, I'm li- a little bit crying thinking of the tune. Really, and I'm not saying. Anything about me? Which record's it on? It's not on any record. It's not even it's barely, you can barely get it. You can't. I should take it out. It's too painful. And you know, I'm not saying that like, I've done something, but it's just it's just the the idea of this thing. You know, it's just too much. to... It's too much to bear. You know,
0: I as I you know as I get, I've always been sort of moved by stuff like that that have a melancholy or a dense uh, a depth to it like that. Mm-hmm. And um, like I, uh, you know, I I and I guess that's what I heard in your music because I like you, you know there's a, a like a a frequency of emotion that people operate from creatively, you, you know, and, and, and they, I don't know that they can explain it, you know, but it is what it is. And, you know, if you're one of those people, you're not going to, you know, fill stadiums, but you're definitely going to change
2: lives. Yeah. I you, think, so. you know what I mean? I, ha- I think I have that. You know, I yeah, I, have I do. I do, I do. I do. Irishness too. of some kind of,
0: ah,
2: something like that.
0: That's so, f- I was just talking to somebody about that today. Yeah. Oddly. Like, cause like I have this weird connection to Ireland that's emotional. You know, like, I, you know, I'm just a Jewish guy, oh. you know, I, am not Irish in any way, uh-huh. but when I go there, there's part of me that's sort of like, I'm home. You know? <laughs> I, well, every, you know, we're downtrodden. With the, the, yeah, but you're downtrodden, but, people. but acceptance of it. Yeah. That there, there, there is a, a point of view through the darkness, through the bog. Yeah. You know, that, you know, you, you, we keep going forward. Right. You know, think. You know, no one said this was going to be easy,
2: right? It's a. It's that's what I'm saying. Even about the everything about I've been doing music. It's never been right. Because I had some huge success, I'm going to build on that. It's yeah, just been. I'm going to keep keep
0: on keep trucking, going, keep, keep on going, trucking. keep
2: trucking. Yeah, keep going and 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 experiencing the feeling, the struggle. But sometimes I feel you know I meet the guy that used to be in the band, and he's you know a lawyer, or he's. Got something good? I'm like, fuck, man! Why didn't I do that? You You're know? not meant for that. Why didn't I make the right move and get out and uh-huh. get? You know, he's how
0: how how often do you spend thinking along
2: that line? Not not that often. I, I do, can't... you know. I, I do. I wish I could have all those things, you know, but I don't. You know.
0: I don't like when I used to think like that, which I try not to. Like, you know, it's it's much more specific now, as opposed to sort of like, you know, crossroads regrets. Like, you know, here I am. At the crossroads, I think I'll just stay on the one I'm on, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, but you know, when I do choose to sort of be, my, I, I, w- the only way I can put it into any sort of context, which I do, is like, there was no way I could have done that. It's yeah. it just, I'm just not, it. it's not in me. It's not, I'm not that guy.
2: There's yeah. no
0: way. Like, it's very easy to judge yourself against other people's successes when they take this other thing, but like, you know, think about the time. That you might have done that. There's no way you would have done it no matter what.
2: You mean realistically, I would have flunked at most of those things unless somebody gave me some perfect chance
0: at
2: having a job that was just the right one, but I don't know what that would be.
0: Exactly. And when those guys make that decision, they let go of something. I think so. Of course they do, that you're not willing to let go of. like When I was at my lowest and I was going to quit comedy, I was like, well, there's only a couple options and one of them is not living anymore
2: you know well, I'm always I'm always at UPS I would say that's <laughs> look man we gotta s- turn the lights off right here daddy's gonna you know, UPS huh? heading over to UPS yeah. I figure I could do that right know? yeah get some U- I could you deliver may- the you know drive Maybe the truck deliver get some coverage yeah. you know get some insurance it feels like a doable job to me yeah yeah you just gotta wear Maybe the outfit. FedEx if I get a little <laughs> if I shoot a little higher <laughs> FedEx if something but it does seem like a you know a job that anybody could sort of work their way into
0: yeah, I, I guess there's jobs like that but look how old we are like that was the other I don't want to do it but that yeah. was the other thing man it's like when I was at my lowest I was already in my 40s and I'm like the last job I had was working at Edibles <laughs> you know like, like you gonna go apply you're like come
2: yeah, man get a grill job I don't know I was talking about the mag- you worked at the magazine store I said hey how's that job going well I had the job at the magazine store <laughs> in so the magazine. magazine <laughs> show that was the last one <laughs> otherwise I had nothing you know but uh, all right, well, well,
0: I, let's. You want to play a song?
2: If you want me to, I don't. I'm, I kind of b- bumped that on you. But oh
0: no, no, I didn't know. I didn't know if you want to. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. I mean, I like when people play. If you feel like it, I'll try. It
2: would be I only I I only know a couple. I know a couple from the record, and that's about it. I haven't been playing it all. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. Playing, so I haven't. Yeah. I don't, you want to try it? I don't keep up. <laughs> you know the song "The Fiddler" from the new album. Yeah. Yeah. Just to it. This one's from the new album. It's called The Fiddle.
3: <laughs> now there's a little town around here that had a damn that crack. Well. <laughs> Now there's a little town around here That had a dam that cracked Flooded and washed the high school into the river The local chiropractor came to have predicted it Is it the proofs in the backs that I straightened? A fiddler who plays While the Bakerloo train Steams a steely scream Into the underground A trance serene He can hear himself dream But there's always A moment in between There's always a moment when somebody's listening. Now there's a million. Everything will be fine. There won't be any fuck ups or problems this time. So get back on the bus and stay focused on us. There's blacker earth champagne and a water bed.
2: Forget it, man. What happened? I'm not playing it right.
0: That sounded so good.
2: You want to do, try it again? I'm just fucking it up. I, give me another chance at it. One more chance. I thought it sounded cool. <coughs> I, ex- I was into it. Right, one, can I k- take another try at it? Out? Of course. Okay, baby. You where? think so? I think so. I don't know. Maybe. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. See, <laughs> <laughs> <If, laughs> this is the guitar. All I'm, I'm thinking about this. are you fucking up? <laughs> if someone else was playing guitar and I was singing, I wouldn't be thinking. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
3: Now there's a little town around here that had a dam that cracked. Flooded and washed the high school into the river. The local chiropractor came to have predicted it. Is it the proofs in the backs that I straightened? fiddler who plays while the bakerloo train steams a steely screen into the underground the trance less serene he can hear himself dream but there's always a moment in between There's always a moment When somebody's listening Now there's a million to one chance but everything will be fine. There won't be any fuck-ups or problems this time. So get back on the bus and stay focused on us. There's black girls and champagne and a water better if you need one. Plays, while the Bakerloo blue train steams a steely screen into the underground transless serene, he can hear himself dream, but there's always a moment in between there's always a moment in between there's always a moment in between there's always a second when
2: Yeah. I kind of screwed it up, but I don't care. Either. No, I it
0: sounded great. It sounded great. <laughs> it sounded great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Should have practiced.
0: Well, come on. No, I'm come happy on. with it. All right. It was great talking to you. You too, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See you another day. We got it. Nailed it on that last one. Mark Mulcahy. Again, the album is The Possum in the Driveway good record don't forget you can also go to wtfpod.com for all your wtfpod related things pre-order that book pre-order the book waiting for the punch it's gonna be good it's coming it's coming all right okay i should play play some guitar